0: Hello, and welcome to the first in a series of bite sized podcasts where we'll be discussing the big issues and challenges facing UK businesses. I'm Chris, and today I'm joined with my colleague Judith Curran, partner and head of employment at Clarkson Wright and Jakes. Hi Judith, how are you? All right, Chris, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. So, our first topic of conversation focuses on the easing of lockdown measures and the subsequent transitioning of our employees back into the workplace. In the four-step roadmap released recently, the government confirmed the guidance to work from home, wherever possible, will remain up until the 21st of June at the very earliest. There is, however, I believe a general sense of optimism surrounding the successful vaccine rollout, and I'm sure that you all agree um, many people across the UK will be looking forward to mixing and socialising again with their colleagues. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, however, returning to the office isn't without its challenges, um, so let's open up today's conversation. Um, the first question, once it's safe to return to the office, um, how should we deal with employees who are either reluctant to return or point-blank refuse? Uh, Julia, I'm wondering what your views are and what could be a very challenging situation. Yeah,
1: absolutely, Chris, and it is going to be one of the key challenges employers in the coming months. As you said, we have this, uh, you know, order to work from home um, until the end of March, and then it's going to be a period of review after that, um, hopefully with an easing of the restrictions. Um, employees who are refusing to come back or who don't want to come back to work, um, there are going to be some, and we know that, you know, there's still very high levels of anxiety amongst some employees about returning to work. Um, social distancing rules will remain in place, Um, mandatory um, face masks and coverings, face coverings are likely to remain in place for some time yet. Employees may also experience concern about getting to work on public transport and we don't yet know uh, what's going to happen with social distancing, whether there's going to be as much availability on trains or less availability for those who commute into the cities using public transport. So those will be factors to consider. Um, Many employers are already um, consulting with employees about what the workplace is going to look like post-lockdown. Are we going to return to the old style permanently in the office or are we looking at um, a mixture of work from home or more flexible working as well? So these are issues um, to start consulting with employees about now because That will hopefully assist in reducing the number of employees who point blank refuse to come back or who express concern about coming back. Um, CIPD recommend that employers engage with a three-step process for approach to return to work. And broadly, those issues are, is it essential for people to come back? Is it safe? And is it mutually agreed with employees? Employers also have an ongoing duty to provide the safe place of work, a COVID safe place of work, so it is um, important to continue to abide by those rules. Um, There's obviously uh, vaccine issues as well and testing issues and employees who might be reluctant, that's going to become an issue. Who has been tested? Should people be tested? Are people going to refuse to come back to work because their colleagues don't have the vaccine um
0: just Judith, mm-hmm. with the the vaccines there has been some commentary recently about whether organizations can actually legally prevent employees returning back to work um have you got any views around that particular area
1: yeah i think that there's going to have to be a lot of flexibility around that there are real um issues with that and i think we sort of get into some sort of murky waters really mm. with this whole idea of you know um no vaccine, no job, or you're not allowed back into the building until or workplace until you've had it. I don't think that employers should engage in mandatory blanket rules around vaccination or testing. Um, I think that disciplinary action should be avoided really at all costs if possible um, in relation to those issues. Giving employees an ultimatum that you have to be tested um, or you have to be vaccinated to return yeah. to work is most likely going to lead to employees treating that as a breach of trust and confidence that may open up uh, claims of constructive unfair dismissal uh, for uh, employers. Also, always important to always be mindful of discrimination claims. Um, They are day one rights for all employees and imposing a blanket rule around testing or vaccination does give rise to potential discrimination on the grounds of religious or philosophical belief and less favourable treatment or disciplinary action in relation to groups of employees who uh, refuse to be vaccinated or tested or indeed even to return to work um, in these circumstances uh, could be discriminatory on those grounds and employees don't have to leave their employment to make those claims, they can make this discrimination type claims and remain employed. So the solutions to consider are engaging with employees, discussing their concerns with them, uh, trying out temporary short-term solutions, trying to build up that confidence with employees. And many employees may have been out of your business for upwards of a year now. So there are some big challenges in getting people to to come back and, and feel that it's safe and the working environment is safe. So it is leading by example with COVID safety and Also making those even short term adjustments to working patterns um, in order to encourage people to come back. Um, The other option that employers have, of course, is to take disciplinary action where you may have an employee who just simply unreasonably refuses to return. Um, And in that case, you know, you should take legal advice really about what your options are. But certainly disciplinary action is something that could be considered uh, but hopefully, through consultation with an employee, that could be avoided.
0: All right, all very good stuff there, Julie. Thank you. Um, so, there's obviously significant benefits to be had from having fully occupied workplaces. Um, and I think we're all pretty much aware of most things, such as you know, the social inclusion, the social cohesion, the increased uh, creativity, amongst many others. But remote working has afforded many people much greater flexibility and a greater sense of freedom and autonomy and I think it's generally accepted um, that many of these employees don't want to give this up or be reluctant to see this removed so I think as a result I believe we'll see an increase in statutory flexible working requests Um, and I think now more than ever employees need to give careful consideration to these requests especially considering we've successfully managed to work remotely for such prolonged periods of time. So on this topic, uh, Judith, how do you think employees should handle such requests, given our recent working practices?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be an issue. Um, And interestingly, um, there are campaigns in place at the moment, some consultations taking place around a change in the law, so that all employees would have a day one right to make a request for flexible working. Um, Currently, employees need 26 weeks' service and can only make one request every year. Um, A lot of employers already go over and above those statutory requirements and they're happy to deal with um, informal or formal flexible working requests. But absolutely, it's anticipated that people will seek a change to their working patterns once we are all required to return to work and there's a change in the rules. Um, I think having a policy is really important, um, giving people guidance about what they should put in their application, encouraging employees to actually think through the changes that they envisage to their own working pattern and how that might impact the business before making these kind of applications. It's important to consider all requests that are made. um, And there are several business reasons which you as an employer can rely on to refuse a change in working patterns, and those include things like you couldn't reorganise the work amongst other people, Um, you couldn't recruit anyone else to do the work that the person now doesn't want to do, for instance. Um, Flexible working might affect quality and performance. You might not be able to meet your customer demand, amongst a couple of other reasons, And also, it's important to note that before the pandemic, only about 5% of the population actually did work flexibly or work from home. And also, I think what we're going to see now is less of that sort of traditional, I want to drop my days, sort of four days to five, five days, that sort of thing. Um, And we're probably going to see more requests to work from home, but remain a full time employee, which is slightly different from maybe the more traditional working requests that we've seen um, it, as Chris says, there are proven benefits to flexible working. We know that people, and the research shows that people who work from home are generally healthier, more productive. They'll go the extra mile for their employer, um, and it gives good work-life um, balance. It's, it helps with retention rates um, and attracting good talent as well to your business. Um, home working, though, for the past year has been imposed on all employers and at the moment we know that a lot of people are working from their kitchen tables, their dining rooms, their bedrooms, uh, people who share, live in shared accommodation are juggling life and family commitments and people in shared accommodation particularly have, have struggled in some cases because they're living and working in one room or a bedroom um, which is not a normal working environment. So whilst we may see an increase in applications for flexible working or a change in working patterns, it isn't recommended that employers assess those requests based on the lockdown working conditions that many people have. Um, It isn't a normal working environment and to do um, to assess um, a request for flexible working or particularly home working, employers really need to Assess it in more normal working conditions. Who is at home? Does the person have a dedicated workspace, a private workspace for meetings um, or private conversations? Um, When the lockdown restrictions ease and and more normal life resumes, will it actually be possible for that employee to work normally um, going forward? Other things to consider as well are management of that remote worker. How do we measure their performance as well as well-being of remote workers? Um, For those who already live alone and we've seen lots of issues with isolation during the lockdowns already. So how do we support those people um, and how do we keep in touch with them? as well as the people who work from home and blur the boundaries, people who just work longer and harder and then become ill, because, again, research shows that's what happens. People become stressed, there's then poor performance issues and sickness-related absence. It's about training managers in how to manage remote workers, communication being key as well, about keeping in regular contact, and actually, can your business realistically work in that way? Are you able to work remotely effectively effectively? Um, on a more permanent footing. Also other points are home workers uh, policy it's advisable to have a home workers agreement with the employee um, concerned and also to carry out risk assessments Mm. of their home you know have you got the right to enter Mm. their home to fix equipment collect equipment uh, do risk assessments that sort of thing. I think
0: think that's a really important uh, point because I think that some businesses forget that Your home is your office whilst at work Mm -hmm. um, and the same rules apply as if you were sat at your desk. So I think that's hugely important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And also really important to have that home worker agreement, which outlines the rules, the regulations, as you say, that you do have to continue to work, to perform. Um, And it's always a good idea for an employer to have that ability to call back employees if there is poor performance, if there are disciplinary issues um, or it just doesn't work out. So having things like trial periods, but an overall or overarching right to change that pattern again, or to call back people to the office um, as needed. Um, finally, I suppose other issues that employers can think about as part of any more flexible working requests are, and we're seeing a lot of it already being talked about in the media. You know, the hybrid working pattern, that mix of home working and office-based working. Other interesting ideas are sort of any five from seven. So if if you're in a workplace that you can keep open, or there's access to a building, for instance, for seven days a week, allowing people to choose which five of the seven days that they they want to come into the workplace. The immediate benefits of that are a reduction in congestion in the office, Um, you know, avoiding these large numbers of people coming and going all at the same time, And I think that that could be really useful as a phased way to return uh, more anxious employees because they can choose the times they come in that impacts on public transport particularly um, and having to use those ways of getting to work. So those are sort of issues that businesses can consider as well as the sort of compressed hours and rotations of teams that we see already. Really important with any of these changes update your contracts, update your handbooks, have the policies and agreements in place and you know we have um, our employment department is always happy to help uh, with those kind of documents and just more general advice around um, these issues.
0: Okay thank you, let's leave it there for today. Um, I hope you'll agree a hugely interesting subject um, and lots for employees to consider in the coming weeks and the coming months. To wrap it up, I think it's fair to say that some careful thought needs to go into how we reintroduce our employees back into the workplace, Um, and as highlighted on this podcast, there are some potential pitfalls facing employers. Um, As, however, with this pandemic, the situation can change extremely quickly, so any plans you currently have to transition employees back into the workplace should always be made in conjunction with the latest government guidance and, as Judith pointed out, Specialist legal advice um, where necessary. That's it for today's podcast. On behalf of myself and Judith, uh, we hope you enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed recording it. We will be recording and posting another podcast soon, so look out for that. And we can and we hope that you can join us for that one. So until the next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.